Hi, I'm your host, Thomas, data scientist, data engineer, and you're listening Let's Talk AI. On this podcast, we receive experts to talk about their experience, visions, challenges, with no fear to go into technical details. If you're looking to learn more about AI and related subjects, you're at the right place to make yourself comfortable and enjoy. If you like this episode, please give us a review on your favorite streaming platform, such as Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can also find more content on my LinkedIn newsletter. On this new episode of Let's Talk AI, super happy to be here today. I am with Hala Nelson. Hala, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Thomas? I'm very good. Super excited to be on this new episode, uh, learning more about data and, and AI. I have a lot of interesting questions. Uh, I mean, I found them interesting that I want to ask you. But first of all, for the people who might not know you, um, could you introduce briefly yourself? Yeah, uh, so I'm Hala Nelson. I am uh, from Lebanon. I am a math professor in the United States at the University of Virginia, James Madison University. And I am a writer. I, um, I wrote a book on um, AI and math, and I'm writing a new book on um, AI and data. So yeah, I'm an author. Um, this is like kind of uh, me. Awesome. Well, I'm super happy to have you on the podcast. Um, on our previous uh, talk, we discussed about a very interesting project that uh, we can uh, approach today. Um, first of all, I'd like to ask you what you're trying to achieve uh, on this date um, in the field. Uh, yeah, I am um, trying to build bridges. Uh, I feel like and this is like what I can do is... is uh, build bridges that need to be built between uh, fields that are very connected, very dependent on each other, but no one had told the story uh, on, on how they interact and exactly what from this field we need to, to do in that field, etc. So when I wrote the book on math and AI, I knew math, I'm a math professor, and everybody used to say, like, if you know math, you, then you know uh, data and you know AI and you know data science. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm a math professor and I don't know any of that stuff. So there is something in there that needs to be told that's not being told and exactly what in math we need in that field and how does data and AI contribute to math and exactly. So so I, I sat down and I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to teach a class on the subject and I couldn't find a book. Uh, that actually connects uh, the two um, without like going into encyclopedia on on I don't know linear algebra or probability, or so I ended up um, you know having to write the book myself. And then um, the same I'm doing now with building bridges uh, between um, the computational, the modeling. Um, community um, and the scientific community and the uh, industrial com community, uh, people who use this stuff every day in their life, in their products, uh, in their decision-making processes. And uh, I also feel there's a disconnect there uh, between um, the models and uh, the, the scientific part and the, uh, you know, uh, 
foundation, uh, the, the, the application part on one hand and the business part on the other hand, and also down on the engineering level, the infrastructure, the fundamentals. So I feel like I'm always somehow um, stuck in the middle, but I want to be in the middle because I want to connect all these things in an easy uh, in an easy way, not in a very um, difficult language, it's more mm. like colloquial, colloquial language, but without compromising uh, the the correctness and and the detail, the the important detail, not all the detail. Hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned that. Yeah, I'm truly aligned with that because there are those uh, bridges that needs to be created, whether it's academic in the real world or for the business. And, and we can see that we truly need these kind of bridges because just if we look at like technical people who are data engineers, data scientists, BI engineer, um, or people who are doing, um, um, I don't know, knowledge graph, all these kind of things. Well, even like in those subcategories of one specific field, we can see language change and vocabulary change, speaking of the same thing, but in different ways, which is um, challenging, um, to, to, um, but uh, very interesting. And um, I would like to ask you about, uh, uh, now that we understand uh, quite clearly what your intention is, uh, a bit of a retrospective on your career path. You're a, a math teacher, you're bridging this gap, uh, these gaps. Um, can you share a bit about uh, your yeah. your career evolution? Yeah, sure. I um, I started uh, in Lebanon uh, as a math. My my dad actually taught me math. Uh, he's a math teacher, and he taught me at home math. So I credit him uh, a lot uh, to to my dad um, in terms of making me kind of think a bit outside of the box because I didn't learn it at, at school. I learned it at home from a person teaching me um, to see it all at once, not to see like um, mathematics as independent from uh, physics, from they're all like somehow tied together, even different fields in math. It's always nice to see the connection. So I ended up uh, majoring in math and doing a master's in math uh, in Lebanon. And my master's was in pure algebra, <laughs> which you would not expect that I ended up where I'm at now. Um, I, I loved it, uh, but I always felt uh, it, it was too abstract and it was disconnected. I could not um, use my brain to, to, to solve a problem that's happening right now. And, and I lived in Lebanon. It was a very chaotic country. Of course, there was war. Um, and then I like, well, I, am, I, I know how to solve stuff, but I cannot use what I'm studying to solve real life problems and mm. so I was getting abstract algebra was amazing and I could prove things but not only probably 10 people in the world cared about what I proved and, and not like real problems so um, I ended up um, applying to do a PhD and I um, came to New York City to NYU to do my PhD um, and NYU is, is known for applied math, and uh, it is one of the best schools in uh, um, modeling, in, in uh, probability, in, in um, uh, partial differential equations. So I ended up uh, doing my PhD uh, in material science, which is a big shift from um, algebra. 
Um, and in material science, I did mathematical modeling. So at the material level, like if you think of the chip industry, like the silicon and and the crystal, the you know Silicon Valley is because of the silicon chips and the integrate circuits, all that. So my my PhD thesis was. Um, Sadly, not in the immediate, uh, you know, uh, crystal uh, and and uh, material uh, industry. I, I did a mathematical model that was uh, uh, mostly about part uh, using partial differential equations to see how the shapes of these um, crystalline uh, and and thin layered uh, crystals uh, change, and all of that had applications in the semiconductor industry. Uh, but none of it had immediate application. So again, I was doing something, but also far removed, you know, from what I really want to do is I want to solve a problem that people right now care about. Um, again, it was an okay thesis, I would say. Uh, I mean, I did learn a lot of PDEs, partial differential equations, and I love it. PDEs like model the whole world. I mean, I, I loved how close I came to modeling the world and, and doing stuff that, but I, I came close, but not as close as I, as I really wanted. And then I ended up uh, going to um, University of Michigan uh, to do a postdoc after my PhD uh, for uh, three years. Um, and um, over there, I also uh, wanted to change uh, my specialty and uh, also, uh, I, I kept on doing uh, PDEs, uh, partial differential equations, still modeling the world, but this time uh, they were uh, sending waves, uh, using devices to send waves down the Earth crust, and then part of the wave come back, comes back, there are sensors that receive the signals. From these signals, we want to uh, actually see exactly how the Earth is layered, right? We want to see inside the Earth without going there. Um, so that was good. Uh, I actually liked that because it was closer uh, to real life. Uh, I did, it's this uh, uh, family of problems are called inverse problems because from measurements, you wanna see inside something, you can see all kinds of applications. Um, I did learn even more math there. I, I learned that a lot of these uh, mathematical methods, uh, computational methods are connected, like, I don't know, fixed point iteration, integration, blah, blah. Um, and then um, and then I moved to, uh, for my um, current uh, position um, at university, at James Madison University. And, you know, you, then after the postdoc, you, you kind of moved to a tenured uh, position, tenure track. Um, and then, uh, in, uh, and then I had a child. Meanwhile, I, I got married. I had a child, um, and when and, and for all the people who end up having children in their careers, it kind of sometimes really blows up your life and uh, makes you stop. Uh, it it becomes a, the child is the priority of your life, as it should, as they should be. Uh, so I ended up kind of um, taking a break from research. Uh, still thinking about all these problems, but not publishing. And, and that was a good thing for me. I didn't, I want to focus on raising my child. I had split from her dad and I was alone in the U.S. with her. So I wanted uh, to focus on her and give myself a break to really know what I want to work on next, what kind of problems I want to solve when 
so when when she ended up um, getting older, when she was um, finally independent, eleven, um, I uh, I sat down and had an honest conversation with myself, and I thought, okay, this time I'm not gonna have people choose um, what I want to work on. I want to choose what I want to work on, and. Uh, and of course, I got tenured, uh, and that gives you a lot of freedom uh, in what you do and when you do it. Uh, I mean, tenure is an amazing thing. It really unleashes the brain to whatever they want to do. Um, and then at the time, uh, data science was blowing up, and everybody was talking about data science, data engineering, data, data. And in my mind, um, I didn't know what that was, uh, and machine learning. Um, and I'm like, well, it's really blowing up. I might as well know what it's about. It seems like it solves real problems in the world, uh, you know, supply chain and, um, uh, you know, climate change, all kinds of uh, energy, all kinds of stuff that I like. And then I kind of picked up the book um, Hands-On Machine Learning with Scikit Learn. <laughs> There's a good book. <laughs> and so I uh, kind of, I was like, uh, you know, reading it. I'm like, oh, this is math and I, I like it. Um, so I ended up uh, wanted to teach a class on um, math and AI. Um, and of course, AI, I mean, uh, you know, I grew up in war. I always thought about the human mind, the human intelligence, philosophy. So uh, it's got, I'm kind of veered into that. There was a book by Neuwig, um, the big uh, AI book. Um, so I also kind of wanted to see exactly where people are at in AI nowadays. Um, and I also realized that there's a lot um, missing and but there's also the math that goes in it has not been organized at all. Uh, and uh, so I, I kind of uh, sat down and, and uh, this is the direction that uh, I took afterwards. And this is how I ended up here. Long story. <laughs> no, uh, that's super interesting. And, and I feel like uh, each element of the story is really inspiring and can also motivate people to go into the fields and there is not one path to being uh, a data scientist a data engineer because all this time you were already a data scientist I guess and when you picked up that book you were like oh but but this is what I do or oh, this is what I've done already so nothing new so you were just like that must be a funny feeling when you read a book about a new topic that you're very excited to learn about and you end up understanding that you're already you're already like this this profile and you're not learning anything from the book i mean i'm sure you can you can learn a few things but um that's a super interesting uh i think that based on all this story i have a lot of questions in my in my mind that i, I would love to to ask but but maybe to to focus on on one in particular you mentioned that you wrote a book uh, essential math for ai um, can you maybe share, you mentioned that you wanted to structure the, the math behind um, all the things that were being spoken around about the models and everything. So if people read this book, what they will learn from it and why did you decide to write that book? Okay. Um, I, um, I... I think uh, the AI field uh, has a lot of hype. It always suffered uh, from hype. 
but at the same time, it did not. Um, it's not like this hype is. It's not only hype. It it has a lot to offer, and I wanted. The thing about math is, um, if, if anyone who knows math or who studied at any level in their life math, they know they cannot um, BS. Uh, they cannot uh, bullshit. They cannot uh, uh, fake. You know, they cannot fake it. Um, math is either right or wrong. It's as clear cut as one and zero. You know, so that that. Um, grounding AI in math um, and and making people understand um, uh, what AI is through math and uh, and what kind of math at the same time goes into AI um, brings all of this hype uh, and all of this. Uh, there are people who say are naysayers. No, it's good for nothing. It's gonna fail. And there are people who are this gonna solve every single thing out there. And, and between these two extremes, like math, seeing it through the lens of math is what puts it all in, in the correct place, you know, and in, in, in reality. And, and, and so so that's one message I wanted uh, to give through the book. And also, um, it, it also makes you um, know what what uh, uh, where it's at now and what it's capable of, what it could be capable of. And... Uh, so, so there, in my mind, there was no way to tell the story, and of course, of intelligence itself. I mean, uh, the fact that the universe, uh, in my opinion, math is, is in it, and we're just discovering it, and, and it's, uh, and you can model absolutely anything through math. Uh, it is somehow an underlying law of the universe that's just there. So for me, uh, and then there's intelligence, and people are thinking, what is intelligence like? Like what makes us intelligent, etc. So also connecting that, I mean, if someone knows math, you immediately say, oh, they're intelligent. But there is a reason that that connection is made. So, so it couldn't be more fitting um, than to tell the story of AI through math and to teach people math through AI because. Um, because people always think about AI, intelligence some way, right? Like you see something, you understand it. Uh, some people say, oh, I'm a visual person. Some people say I'm an audio person. I learn from audiobooks only. Some people say I need to sit down and write. Some people need to speak to other people. So language, um, vision, um, communication, like empathy, all of that are aspects of intelligence so to, to actually understand that through mathematics and, and that it's, it's a two-way street between math and AI, you understand math through AI and your everyday thinking, you understand AI through math um, and you put AI in perspective and, and its capabilities in perspective through math. So, so that is the main message of the book. Uh, also, the other message of the book is... Um, um, in AI, it kind of brings a lot of math fields together. So there's many math. I told you I build bridges. So a lot of dispersed fields are there. Like people doing probability have no idea what people doing PDEs are, ex unless you're literally doing a probabilistic PDE or a PDE whose I don't know underlying parameters are I don't know coming from probabilities or data, or whatever. But 
unless you're in there, you are living in different universes uh, or mathematical logic, right? Or um, uh, calculus or linear algebra. So again, like uh, AI was a binding agent for all of these fields and, and to see all of them uh, in, 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 in that way, uh, in, in the book, uh, in the book, I never deviate from that. They always connect things. So, uh, and also not have it, uh, as a sit down and do formulas and write Greek letters, because I learned from my students. I've taught so many students over the years and uh, the uh, students are usually starting off they say, the moment you write Greek letters, you lost me. So I wanted to write English words to under explain all this mathematics, but with English, with the words, and write as few formulas, as few Greek letters. It doesn't mean that I am compromising on the rigor. I wasn't. But you can still explain a lot to people and connect these fields um, using uh, using uh, math. So, so this was uh, the message of the book. Uh, I think <laughs> that's super interesting. You got me thinking on uh, different things. First of all, explainability to people mm -hmm. and explainability of the models. Yes, those are like a like two side uh, two side mirror. Um, uh, second of all, uh, I think that uh, I mean it's super interesting that. Uh, I would like to, to, to maybe ask you more uh, on a following question about like how do you approach teaching? Um, but I think that the first question I would like to, to, to ask you, uh, you've mentioned, all right, we have these um, two extremes that we're talking about when we talk about AI. One is AI solving all the world's problems. The other one is AI is useless. And, and you've mentioned that you go through this lens um, with a mathematical approach, which uh, don't lie and do not create um, another, uh, it's, it's not biased, let's say. Um, and, but also you mentioned uh, the different bridge, business, um, uh, the, the field of data, but into this field like mathematics, uh, people who are doing probabilities. Um, I would have a lot of things to add based on your answer and if I would like to do a summary, but ChatGPT would do it better than me. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, uh, what I would like to ask you about is how do you see um, the gap between academy and the real world? And, um, and what can you tell us about, because you've been teaching, and but you also want to solve problems like... Mm -hmm. How did you target um, this approach and what is your perspective on this gap? Yes, um, uh, there is a gap. Um, the the, um, the gap, uh, there's multiple ways I can answer this. Um, so the, the, the gap originates from... Um, uh, from uh, okay the world of academia is usually trying to be idealistic always um always like uh working with idealized models um always assuming you have all the data or, or you know they're, they're trying it's more like uh, and also remember you're always trying to explain it 
things to students and and uh, teach them stuff and and you're always trying to make it easy so so it's not like all academia's fault there's a ton of ways a, a ton of reasons why academia is the way it is right uh, and there's also um the sub communities in academia and i'm sure it's the same in the industry is is like oh this community is is focused on solving this one problem and and they're all like uh, a lot of it is also there are gatekeepers to who can enter and who gets uh you know the 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 credits and i mean of course it's humans in the end and and there's a lot and, and academia has contributed amazing things um to the industry and and you know if you follow say uh, the history of the evolution of any technology it's it's always been between um academia and and some labs doing something right and there's always as long as you're like talking to the labs there's always some big some academics talking to the people making and manufacturing the stuff say there's always some big um uh revelation that happens like for example how um transistors came to be or, or all that or, or the collaboration between nasa and um the universities i mean it's i'm not going to talk it down i mean academia does amazing things but at the same time um in everyday university life um uh, uh, say a, a a mathematician um do they uh, graduate uh, now? Uh, a lot of our mathematicians say are, are, are trained. Uh, the professors are professors. They, they were trained in, in an academic discipline, but the professors stayed being professors. Uh, they, they never left the academic world, right? And, and so they were trained themselves to be and, and use that training to become a professor, but now they're training students to become professors, but no, not all students become professors, maybe one or two uh, become professors, but the rest of them are going to use the knowledge you gave them at the university in some company or or to, to, to do data for some people. And you did not teach them how to do that. You didn't teach them um, the kind of problems that are encountered in the industry, the kind of limitations, the, the, even the resource limitations, the kind of data they deal with. So, so, so a lot of students um, leave uh, the majors. Uh, it doesn't have to be math. Uh, many other majors, and and they feel they're unprepared to to go and work in a company. They don't land running. They feel that they have no skills, and that happened to even us. Uh, uh, when I say even when I finished my PhD and a lot of my um, uh, the people uh, my friends uh, who finished their PhD um, they would interview at companies I did not interview but I didn't I, I stayed in the academic path but a lot of my friends would interview at say finance companies at, uh, at we were we graduated NYU so Wall Street was there a lot of them would go interview with finance companies with uh, with labs uh, doing stuff, and and they would not know how to even answer any of the questions. They just finished a PhD, uh, so because they 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 were trained to to write papers and publish them, they weren't uh, trained to actually uh, you know sit down and 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 do um, do like uh, 
work that that benefits like one institution or, or aligns with the mission of some uh, company uh, yeah. or a lab. So so this is uh, there, there is a disconnect. Um, so so how I approach it I approached it is you have to talk to the people in the industry. You have to to go. Uh, so we ended up. Um, in, in at least in my uh, field to, to bridge the gap, you know, when I started learning about data and uh, and AI and all of that, I, I realized that uh, unless I talk to to people uh, in the industry uh, who are actually doing this stuff, like people at Amazon, uh, people at uh, uh, you know in in my city, the fire department, transportation department, unless we talk to these people and know exactly what type of problems they're trying to solve. What do you use now? What's your infrastructure? What are you doing? are you trying? Unless you sit down, you bring your students with you, which I do. You bring with them, you sit with the, with the people uh, running these uh, places and ask them exactly what, what they're doing, what do they have, what kind of resource they have, what do you want to accomplish, and why is it not accomplished now? How can I help you? Unless... There is like to bridge the gap, you literally have to sit with the people and teach students the whole process. And then you see the transformation in the students. Or if you can't really bring them with you, have to tell them this is exactly what happens in that world. This is how this is being used. And so, so, so yeah, there is a gap. And, and then uh, a lot of uh, uh, initiatives are solving this gap now, like the NSF, the National Science Foundation in the US. Um, a lot of its uh, uh, new programs are to actually bring uh, the two together, like a fund project uh, that bring um, bring academics uh, at universities uh, to solve real real, real world problems uh, from the industry, and they're providing. So so this gap is recognized, um, uh, and and it's being solved now. And so that's I hope that answers a little the question. More than a little. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this is a super interesting framing and uh, a necessary one. What would you say to the people of the industry? Because from... So the message is we don't prepare well very, very talented people and very, very smart people to like... Exactly. So they, we learn, we train them on the, on the framework um, of... Uh, for doing something specific, which is, which applies to certain rules and a certain ecosystem, but doesn't work anymore when you move uh, in the industry. Um, and so you've mentioned the key points to how do we deal with that. Now, if you had to address to uh, the industry, uh, what do they need? Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I would I would answer myself here like uh, I mean PhD like people who are doing PhD uh, people who are doing this uh, academic path uh, very uh, very smart people um, capable of solving a lot of things but um, but what would you say to the other side of the problem? Yeah, um, I would say um, kind of uh, give uh, people. Um, a, a grace period where uh, you get them up because these people have the brain. They might have not encountered exactly what you want them. Like, for example, this is a good book. It's called System Design Interview, Alex Shu. 
it's a good book. Uh, he actually added uh, me on LinkedIn and I'm like, oh, who's this person? And I look up and I end up buying both of his books. Um, but anyway, uh, it's a <laughs> good deal for him. <laughs> it's actually a really good book. Uh, the, the reason I picked up his books, I'm like, oh, this is um, these are books that talk about things that I've wanted to learn for the longest time in my life. And I've never really uh, found them anywhere. I definitely not in an academic discipline, not in math, not in engineering, not in physics, chemistry. Blah. Uh, so uh uh, so give them uh, a grace period to, to learn this stuff because they will learn it. And also, um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I would say this is the most uh, advice on the other side. Uh, the other um, thing is also do not uh, get caught in the hype of the biggest uh, new technology uh, because a lot of people in the industry... Um, they want to bring AI to their ecosystem and they don't know what it is, what it's capable of. They just want to say that my company is doing AI, my organization is using AI to do stuff. Uh, so also, and I've seen that like literally happen. Or, or, uh, now it's AI, I don't know, five years ago it was data, right? So yeah. it was data science or data driven, right? Uh, and yeah. now it's like all AI. Um, exactly. so, so you always want to bring the hottest new thing to your organization. Uh, well, what kind of questions are you trying to answer using these new technologies that you haven't been answering before or, or you have a gap? And so that's the other advice I have to the um, and, and the other advice I have to the industry, especially um, if you ever want to be really data driven, which eventually I think everyone should be data driven. I think that hmm. uh, is amazing. Um, uh, data gives a lot of insights. If you model it, model it correctly, you can do a lot with it. Uh, I would say the third advice is organize your data. And, uh, and, and when you collect data, make it findable, uh, make it uh, explainable. Like the way you actually, whether you, uh, I mean, there's, uh, for example, uh, the U.S. military, um, they have a ton of data sitting there. It's all super valuable data. Um, and it's good to, to it's, it's uh, so good to have the data. Um, it's super important, but you also, when, when you're uh, collecting that data, have it organized, have it, you know, um, uh, uh, have a good governance structure, good uh, um, if people leave, uh, make sure, make sure like that the whole data system is depending on dependent on one or two people who understand it and have it like a, a good observed system, a good governed system. So that's the third advice is is when you get your data, uh, put it uh, have put a lot of thought into how you're uh, collecting the data and storing it and and finding it and, and who owns it and how to retrieve it. And, and so that's the other advice is, okay, become data driven, become AI, but, but you need your data in order first. So these are all the advices, I think. These are, <laughs> <laughs> this are awesome advice. Uh, it made me thinking uh, about too many things. But first of all, this show is called Let's Talk AI. And for the people who are listening, um, we talk a lot about data and about, and it could be, I think it would be a f more fair version to say, let's talk 
data and AI. Yeah. Because when you speak, when you're talking AI, this is like the the last thing that you're going to do is like uh, modeling yeah. uh, to do like I don't know, like a re regression model, let's say. Yeah. But this and is this like is what it is. Honestly, AI is all regression. Really, it's like yeah. regression or nonlinear regression. If you want an, another word for AI, it's nonlinear regression. <laughs> like... and uh, so so that being said you, you said a lot of very interesting thing uh, I really liked when you mentioned when you take your class to the fire station um, um, and, and you not only talk about data science but you also ask questions about the architecture how does the data arrive mm -hmm. and how everything um, is a uh, working together to know why why am i seeing what am i seeing right now like those rows of data that, that i'm seeing and whatever i will do with it what is the context out of it exactly. and a lot of data science profiles have no clue about this data engineer part yeah. but it's so important because it is like being in a chaos place but you're only looking at something that looks like a little paradise but if you don't know that the data engineering around you is very messy and not fight and you can't trust it then there is no case to doing data science in this in, before yeah. fixing all of that and uh, so that that made me i don't know if you want to comment on that i i do a hundred percent uh it's um You, you, you even ask about how, how you're getting this and exactly how it's organized at, at the database level and, and even even sometimes they ask like on the machine level on the actually what servers etc um, because uh, you discover that oh some of these values are they, they don't have them for that day for some I know outage or something so someone sits down and literally puts in things by hand or or sometimes a bus driver in the transportation like literally logs in so all of this information is important like Jeff because at some point you need to know uh, I mean these numbers determine things later and and you need to know where these numbers are coming from and how they're organized. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's multiple layers to what you said that I want to comment on on a couple things that you said. Um, people, uh, they don't only uh, need the that side of the story, they also want to see the business value side of the story. After you had this nice stuff and, and you create uh, the charts or, or find the numbers and metrics, um, exactly how is your business Uh, using these numbers to get uh, funding or uh, or to sell more product or to get more uh, ridership uh, to the you know um, more usage more more customers uh, you want to know exactly with what they have now how are they using it in their business model so you're as a data scientist sitting like right there in the middle between what the engineering data engineering people are doing and between what the business uh, and its mission and its values and its money money is very important uh it's uh, what where it's fun how are these numbers getting you more money and mm. and where do you want to go with it or or how is it getting you i don't know more visibility or more votes if you're a political campaign 
exactly you're a data science you want to know both sides of the story because you're right there in the middle and that's not a nice place to be if if you don't know either side you know because then you do stuff uh, uh, then you're just basically a, a person who's playing around with some charts and some pictures and some models and it's fun but is it adding value either way uh no, you, you can add value to the engineers by telling them exactly how you want your data. And you can add value to the business people by seeing where they want to go and somehow take them there. So, so. Yeah, totally. That's, uh, that's super, that's fundamental. And like when, when we are clear on what's the output of it, even though I'm not going to do it myself, but like what do you want to, like, mm -hmm. what decision do you want to make based on what I'm going to provide you? Mm -hmm. Or or how do you expect this to succeed? Exactly. Or like, what would mean, how would you define success Yeah. after I've realized wh whatever we're talking about? Whatever, and, uh, 100%. And, and not only success, um, it, oh, you said, I, it, it left my mind. It will come back. Uh, yeah, it, it left my mind. But you said something made me think of something. It, <laughs> That's, it's well, so if you remind if you remind it just mm -hmm. get me in uh but yeah um uh, also one one thing that um so so now that we have clear that a data scientist needs to have a little bit of curiosity out of the system because maybe like you mentioned the, the, the school bus guy or the, the the bus guy who is entering the data himself maybe he'll enter like three new rows in one week and the week after Ten euros and the week after two euros and exactly. how will that impact everything and like you need to know and if you just come to the data and you just look at it you'll just see dates and you'll just see irregularity yes but you need to know what's going on and how this data arrives here to like make the good decisions I'm and um so that is um that is very interesting I, I was very curious so i know you're writing a new book mm -hmm. and I, i want to ask you about it but before that I would like to ask you, um, how do you see coding, any language, it can be in any language, but you've defined very well how you see math in the world. Mm -hmm. So how do you define the relationship between math and coding? Wow, uh, I love that question. Um, so one of the new chapters, one of the chapters of my new book is on uh, programming. Um, I'm not going to teach people how to program. Uh, I but I will definitely talk about exactly where programming uh, sits in the hierarchy. So I, I start with the underlying infrastructure and the hardware. And on top of that, um, there is the communication systems between the hardware. You cannot really have hardware sitting alone. You need communication and satellites, all that stuff. So all of that is infrastructure. And then on top of that, there is the data and the data centers and databases and how you organize organize data and query it and retrieve it from that's living on this hardware and communicating between the hardware. So that's the third chapter. And then the fourth chapter is programming. And there's a reason it's chapter, it's the programming is sitting there in the hierarchy Um, because programming in the end is uh, is instructions is is giving instructions to to the machines to to do do what 
what they want what you all want them to do right so so it's um it's like you're controlling these communications with programs with with all these instructions so and and um, have it sitting uh, sit uh, at that level and before uh, the computation and the modeling uh, level it's kind of because uh, it, i i think it actually belongs there that's where it belongs um um, at some point, um, I, I mean, what I see a value in, in the uh, language models uh, in the AI uh, is honestly is, is, uh, is helping humans uh, uh, skip the level of programming and, and kind of um, have the infrastructure, what their machine want their machines to do. And the higher level, which is the uh, models and the machine learning models and the math models and, and the um, uh, operations research uh, models like the supply chain, etc., logistics. Um, and then the programming will be hopefully done at the machine level, um, not by us, because in the end, the programming is language languages that make uh, that tell the machine to do what we want them to do uh, at uh, it, it's the intermediate between us <laughs> and the way where we want to be and what the machine instructions does like exactly like put this pixel in this screen and or, or put this tape or, or do this computation right so 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 uh, my my hope is that Programming will be something that we, in the future, because of language models, um, we will not have to do uh, ourselves. Uh, it will all be automated. Uh, but for now, um, what programming helps with is, uh, uh, you know, for, for me, I think the important uh, programming languages are honestly SQL uh, for uh, database querying and stuff. And uh, uh, for uh, and uh, 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 um, uh, Python, of course, and and uh, Rust uh, for machine learning, um, and uh, um, I I don't see um, uh, need beyond those for now. Uh, maybe I skipped something uh, that I, I have to open my new chapter in that. But uh, but this is how I see the, the, where programming is situated and, and the value of programming and whether all uh, now do do our do I teach my daughter uh, coding or now yes <laughs> I think we're not at the level where um, the language models can write all the code for us that we want them to but at some point um, I'm hoping that we won't have to and then we just teach them either the infrastructure on databases, et cetera, or the higher level and the, the middle language is just, we're going to skip it. I don't know if I answered your question, but this yeah. is how I, where I see the, the position of programming in the world of mm. data science and AI. Right. Because you can have, for example, for example, you have a, uh, you've solved the problem with math, and now you want to implement it in systems, mm -hmm. and you're using programming. I am aligned with the vision of programming being skipped, and a lot of uh, 
the majority of the users in the future. I'm not sure if it's uh, long term or how or what it is. Um, but uh, I am aligned regarding we're all going to be prompt engineers. Yes. <laughs> Just doing prompt. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I think programming in itself, even though will be enhanced by new technology to do it faster, better, and um, and so the the learning curve is a, is is a more approachable for for anyone. That being said, I think. Um, for to to be this prompt engineer to, to have this vision and, and align all the system just by doing sentences uh, with large language models or or just a language model i believe that the person who is doing the prompts needs to understand the the coding logic that goes behind so yeah. that the questions are very specific and what we're seeing today with large language models is like it's a very powerful tool if you have powerful questions and you know what to ask. Yes. But it is a mediocre tool if you if you are asking mediocre questions. But then you're assuming it is a mediocre tool because you're not asking the right things in the right context or giving the right information, which is very challenging. And this is why it might be very important to, to know what goes behind with the system and how the language works and why it have been architectured specifically to be able to be this prompt engineer, at least in the short, in the nearest term. But then maybe this will be overpassed and I can just write, uh, write me a website where it does this, which is, which is already is, but with the database that does that. And I want to be it uh, e-commerce and I want to do this and I want to have these models yeah. and I want to, do, and everything will uh, uh, go oh, along. I, um, I, I agree hundred percent. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, if I'm sure we all Googled something in our life, many things, and sometimes you have to refine your Google thing to get what you're really looking for. And, and I don't see this as different. And the other thing is um, about the barrier of writing code itself in a certain language, um, in a certain programming language, whether it's C or Python or whatever. Um, the way I see that the 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 the, uh, the uh, what what's the right the, the the benefit that the language models are gonna give us in that sense is the same benefit that the invention of a graphical user interface in computers gave uh, to the world is that it made it, it democratized computers and made them used by anyone, by artists, by business people. People have nothing to do with programming ever because of the graphical user interface. It, it put a layer where people can use uh, a, a, instead of literally writing code. And, and the GUI is what's actually um, doing in the background the, the actual lines of code. So it, I see it as very similar. Um, it... it uh, it's like you said, we have to understand the logic. I mean, when I sit down and and, uh, and model uh, something for um, uh, whether it's, uh, I don't know, my, my material science or, or the uh, fire deployment uh, project, uh, when I model anything, I have to sit down and understand what problem I want to solve. I, I model it, but then I tell my student, 
to grill them, right? Uh, and they do. Uh, did I click a button? I did not click a single button. I do I do write my own programs as well, don't get me wrong. But when I don't have to, I don't. And then I come back, they come back with results. And and if I don't understand the model I wrote and, and what kind of logic I wanted in it, I can immediately tell if they did something wrong or not with their code and stuff. So you see, it's it's a different, you have to understand if you, to get your character, to get the, um, reliable results, which many models don't have any reliable results. Uh, it's a different story because all machine learning <laughs> models will give you numbers, right? Who knows what the numbers, if they're built on something right or not, no one knows. If you, but um, but my point is about programming in particular is it can be outsourced. Uh, whether you outsource it, I outsource it to my students. Uh, well, well, don't do it unless I really have to. But, but you can outsource it to machines. And, and it's, it's actually, honestly, since it's a language that's supposed to interact between human and machines, might as well make machines do it, right? So, so this is how I see it. Um, yeah. Hmm. Super interesting. Could you share maybe uh, the, the fire department projects? Uh, maybe how you've, uh, like the problems you've been tackling and how you've been approaching it from from the databases and then data science perspective and how you've been working with your students mm -hmm. uh, just so that we can have some insights about uh, yeah. how you approach uh, these kind of problems. Yeah, so I also want to give credit here to my colleagues at uh, JMU as well. Um, uh, so one of my colleagues uh, made the uh, contact with the uh, city, um, with our city and asked them if they had uh, projects that needed some uh, math and data science and AI. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, they uh, put us in touch with the uh, fire department and the um, uh, transportation department, and they have the most amazing problems, honestly. Uh, so I, um, uh, so uh, with the fire department, uh, they have uh, multiple goals. Um, they wanted. They got uh, 4.5 million dollar funding uh, to build a new fire station, and they wanted to use their data, uh, their, their historic data uh, on. Uh, they have four fire stations already in town, and they want to build a fifth one. And they wanted to use the data to know exactly where the optimal lo location that will maximize the coverage and uh, of the whole city and minimize response time, and also make the most vulnerable populations uh, of the city um, uh, 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 reachable uh, in faster time, right? So uh, so it's it's a super, mathematically, it's an awesome problem. Uh, it's optimization. It's, uh, uh, and also in terms of data, it was a very nice problem because uh, uh, they, they had the data um, of all the calls they've received and, and uh, uh, and and then uh, we also uh, a lot of this uh, project is also a geographic information system because you you need location is very important and mileage and um, so they they need uh, they uh, they need uh, the response time to be under four minutes and uh, and also in mileage uh, you need to cover like road miles and. And also, you wanted to uh, know uh, information about the uh, 
uh, each house and, and uh, the structure and uh, what kind of people live there, how old uh, do they, are, are they, we have, it's a university town, so students have parties and, and there's, uh, you know, it's the uh, prone to fires and, you know, and all of that stuff. So, so that was the kind of project we got. We, they also had a different goal, which is uh, enhancing uh, the um, uh, insurance uh, uh, ISO rating, they call it in their uh, language. Oh, by the way, we had to learn their language. Um, so many times we'd ask them, what does this mean? What does this acronym mean? Like, you have to sit down. And, and by the end, in the beginning of the project, I had no idea what firefighters um, did or or um, or talked about or valued. And, and then by the end of the project, we were speaking their language. You, you, we both had to, to actually agree on the vocabulary and teach each other our vocabulary. Mm. Um, so uh, anyway, so that's... Uh, so, the, uh, so they wanted to enhance their uh, standard of cover rating uh, because that, uh, if, a re- if a city is rated more safe by the national rating, uh, then more bus- the insurance uh, goes down, the insurance fees, so more businesses come. So it really is, is a good thing. So we wow. have to, to use their data uh, to see exactly where they were underperforming and how to bring that up, like exactly what... So it's an awesome project. It, it, there's a lot in it. It keeps coming. Um, uh, also, the transportation department project is, is really amazing. But uh, with that project, uh, we uh, had their data. We did a lot with the data. And then we discovered that the data was all wrong. It was all scrambled. Um, oh. The data well, they gave us, uh, and it it was an unfixable. It was at a database level, and I it's actually the reason that prompted me to write the new book was exactly that incident. Is I realized that I because I don't understand databases and how data gets into databases and how it gets retrieved from databases. Um, I could not fix the data that was given to me or even give advice on how to fix that data. So we had to, I mean, of course, the model is still correct, but we Mm -hmm. have to use an older data set Mm. to actually Mm. uh, do. So, so it is, uh, so that's, um, it's all interesting problems. Um, Get your hands dirty in, in a good way. Mm. We've heard this sentence a lot in this podcast. Uh, you need to play with data and not only real world data. And there are a lot of data sets out there available to play. I find it make the amazing that you're working with students to solve real world pro- problem. And I know that as a student, if I were to go back in, in my master or in my, my degree, I would like to have this kind of opportunities to, to just like, in the end, when you solve this problem and we do, when you do a good job about it, you have real world value. You're helping people who are helping saving lives. Yes. You're helping your city achieve more business and grow more prosperous. Um, so it, it ends so many. And, and from there, there are so many indirect um, um, repercussions. Um, yes and ways to i mean it's fascinating and and i love it and and um 
And uh, if that's in your second book also, well, maybe can you can you share a bit about your second book? Yes. Um, uh, uh, the, the second book, it's, uh, it really fills the gap that I just talked about. Like I have always existed in, um, in a good world where data was awesome and uh, curated and uh, I and I could write a model and I could analyze the model and I could do math on the model uh, all the any math you want like even conversion analysis stuff that is not easy mathematically but uh, it exists in a very ideal world hmm. so I was sitting in the middle on the modeling computation analysis and decision making if you want side of things like it mm. but there is before that there is the infrastructure and the communication and the databases uh that i and the programming that i did not know 100 percent, and i still don't i mean i am writing about it now so i am learning a lot <laughs> Uh, and then the middle of my book is what I said, computation, AI models, AI, I mean, AI uh, models at some point is, is a lot of it is machine learning and it's more like, uh, uh, more advanced models of machine learning, like nonlinear stuff. Uh, if, uh, if you see it from a math perspective, it's really all doing mathematically the same thing, learning a function or learning a probability distribution. And that's all what they're doing, honestly. Uh, so that's the, there in the middle of my book. And at the end of my book is, uh, uh, I think, things that are super important that people need to learn if they want to be in the AI and data landscapes. Um, and there's uh, three or four things, and I'm going to list them. Uh, it's going to be uh, geographic information systems, GIS. Uh, they need to learn uh, that and see how it uh, um, you cannot make decisions in AI and stuff without uh, without um, a lot of real world problems are, are attached with locations and, and just how it is, right? Uh, so that's GIS and also uh, networks and graphs. That's a super important skill. Like you need to to know um, how to be comfortable with graph modeling and networks, and also games the game industry um the gaming gaming industry has given a ton to the ai and data fields hmm. and and the ai and data fields gave it a ton and it's a huge industry um it's actually an industry that has billions of i mean it's it's bigger than the hollywood and music industry combined right so so gaming uh, and it has a lot of uh um and you, if you learn what goes in that industry, uh, whether from the data, AI, or math perspective, you, you are, you know a lot of stuff. And it, so it binds also a lot together. And also it, the book ends with the uh, business value. The As I said, if you don't have, um, if you don't know what your value, what your contribution is, it's just like you're saying, the students, knowing exactly um, how this work is going to get more funding or attract more businesses you you need to um, you need to have that together with the story so the book is called foundations of ai and data um, so if you want to be in this landscape um, the book should actually um, give you the whole story all one stop 
in one book. So you read the book and hopefully you are ready to talk about these things, to interview about them, to... Uh, you wouldn't know exactly all the details, but you would definitely know the overarching mm. story. So that's uh, that's super interesting. I'm looking forward to this uh, new book you're writing. Um, well, I'm going to 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 ask you the three little questions that I have at the end of each episode. But before that, I also I'm still thinking about what you mentioned having that as a you build a ton on top of it and then it all goes away because the foundation is not correct and to be fair i believe that um data science is going to be easier i mean it's going to be replaced faster than data like data scientists are going to be replaced faster by large language models or, or whatever than data engineers because because we'll need to build all these architectures, we'll need to build all these systems. Uh, that being said, I'm not saying that the scientists will be replaced, not at all, but I, I believe, truly believe that the role will evolve and, and you'll have more tools to solve more complex problems. But in the end, you need to have the good environments to be able to solve those problems. And, uh, and you mentioned the video industry and uh, what's great about video is uh, uh, the gaming sorry, industry. What's great about it is um, if you're in, a, for example, you're building, I don't know, I'll just invent something. Maybe it's too complex for what it is. But if you create a character that have responses that change through times because uh, based on the actions you, you take with uh, these characters, um, I don't know, it generates, let's say, it have an LLMs behind and, and, and his mood change or, or whatever, or I don't know. Um, but because all the systems is architecture well, because it's a game, then it will do a good work. But the challenge is in the world, we need to capture very well the essence of the problem, which is the data engineer part, like setting up the database. And if we've captured well, we'll be able to have to build great roadmaps or get great maps or what we could see as maps because the data scientist in the end, to me, to my perspective, is just building maps, building potential, confirming confirming hypotheses. Uh, maybe not seeing clearly, but if my hypothesis is that and the data shows this and I trust in the data, then I'm going to walk in that direction. Yes. Uh, aligned with uh, with my first intuition of maybe we should go there. What does the data say? But yeah. it doesn't mean anything if there is no strong uh, data foundation. So 100%. I just want to uh, reflect on that speaking. Would you add something? Uh, I, I, would, I would say I agree with everything you said. It's so true. I think the role is evolving and it has to evolve in the direction that you describe. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really agree with what you said. It, it's how I see it as well. That is, um, I've learned a lot in this episode. So my three little questions uh, before I want to thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Uh, I've learned so much. Um, I'm really looking forward to your new book. Uh, the first question that I would like to ask you is, um, um, You've shared a lot of tips for people who are getting in the industry. Uh, you've shared how you would do it. Would you have like one main uh, advice? Uh, you mentioned earlier, get your hands dirty. Uh, 
what what would be your advice for someone starting or someone uh, still in uh, his PhD or his master, her master? Um, would you have uh, tips and advice? Yeah, I, I would say there is a um, lot of information out there. It's so easy to feel overwhelmed and it's so easy to feel lost. And there's a lot of information out there that's either wrong or just not in the right context. It's just people are talking because they like talking. Uh, so I would say, um, first of all, do not get overwhelmed. To start with the little questions that are literally in your head, like ask, like what you don't understand, you write the question down and, and ask it to someone, either to the internet or to someone you know, and uh, surround yourself with people who are generous with their knowledge. Um, a lot of people um, in the industry are are um, generous in the sense that they either talk about it, they write about it, or they, if you ask them questions, they would answer you, or people at your school, other students. And sometimes I'm watching a TV show and I learn something or look it up. So just always try to answer the little questions and, and follow the leads. And also um, see, um, before getting your hands dirty, it's good to also see, uh, try to understand the big picture and where the thing you're learning falls in the big picture, like exactly where you're situated. You don't have to understand any detail. No one knows everything and no one knows all the details about everything. But what you want to know is exactly where you're situated or your problem you're trying to solve in, in the big pictures of things or on the, how does it align with uh, the big goal. So that's another advice. Uh, of course, um, uh, answer your little questions, keep learning. And yes, at some point, do get your hands dirty, but not right away. I would say understand the big things and then try to get your hands dirty. Unless someone forces you to get your hands dirty, then you sit down and do it. Yeah. When you're being forced, it's sometimes a good way to, like, you don't have choice. So you need to understand what you're doing and you have to yeah. do it. So, so there is no questions to ask and uh, you just need to figure a, a way, 100%. which is a, maybe it might be stressful, but it is an effective way to, to learn something. It's a good thing. Um, so my, uh, pre, uh, before asking my last question, I'd like to ask you, where can people um, see more of what you do, what you publish, your books, uh, where they can follow you, ask you questions? Yeah, so, well, this is, my first book is already published. So here it is, Essential Math for AI. Um, I, um, on LinkedIn, uh, I usually, uh, I by the way, I read all the messages and uh, I, I reply I end up replying to all the messages, sometimes not right away because I get a lot of them, uh, but I do read them. And sometimes what you all send is super amazing that I end up saving it or copying somewhere. So, so LinkedIn is a good way to reach me. Um, I, uh, um, yeah, I, I give talks. I, uh, talk on podcasts. Yeah. Uh, so, but LinkedIn, I would say is, is the best way. Awesome. And last question, and I thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, it was uh, uh, amazing to have you on the show and learning from you. My last question is, do you have any message for the Let's Talk AI community? It can be motivational, it can be personal, it can be um, uh, how you see the future, it can be another advice. 
what yeah, would you let us with? Hmm. What's the message for the AI and data community? Um, I think um, uh, keep uh, working and organizing uh, what we all are trying to organize. I know a lot of people are like, uh, um, I'm going to mention a few names, but I'm sure I'll miss a lot. Um, like uh, Joe Reese, Andy Pituela, uh, Matthew Housley, um, Karen Kilroy, Bonnie McLean, like there's a lot of people trying to organize this stuff. And uh, so keep doing what you're doing. Um, keep trying to uh, uh, make sure that the data is, is good, um, uh, ethical, uh, uh, explain the, the capabilities, uh, you know, just keep talking and, and keep uh, trying to sit down and, and do it the right way. I feel like a lot of people are scared of these technologies because they're scared that they're not being done uh, ethically or in the right way. And I agree with that. A lot of it is not done right. It's like fast and, and um, you know, just, I don't know, harnessing data, say, from the Internet without giving credit to anyone. Um, so, so it's not a good. Uh, a lot of it is being done not the right way. So, so try to do it like thoughtfully mindfully organized and 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 the 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 people who are, who have a um who who like to organize these things like sit down and, and write it down and talk to people about it to spread the good message and the good capabilities at the same time uh also talk about how things can go wrong and how to mitigate against that so that's the advice thanks a lot um thanks a lot for everything um really looking forward to the second boot uh i wish you to have a wonderful day and um and i uh, will uh we'll uh, speak soon and maybe for another episode and let us know if you have any questions in the comments uh and we'll answer all of them thanks a lot hala thank you thomas Congrats, you've made it to the end. I hope you had a great time and that you learned a few things. To learn more about AI, you can subscribe to my newsletter or check the blog. And to support the podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also share it with two friends, colleagues or family members that might be interested. I wish you to have a wonderful day. Bye.